really excited about what God's doing in the earth today, in the lives of the believers, and especially the lives of the believers of this church. So we're really excited about Christmas time. We're excited about what God's doing. I would encourage you to come on Christmas. God's given me a word uh, for that particular morning. You know, Jesus came and it was messy. You know, it was messy when he got when he was born in a. How many of you know you get born in a stable? That's not the cleanest place in in the world to be born. And uh, he came and, and he did something there and God did something in the midst of a mess. And how many of your lives at one time or another were a little bit of a mess? And God came and he entered your life and he did something in the midst of the mess. And so on Sunday, we're going to talk about the baby Jesus coming into the world. And he did so to do something in the midst of a mess. And today we're going to talk just a few minutes here about peace in the midst that, you know, you can have peace. And I, it's not because it's Christmas time. It's not because it's, it's four days before Christmas and you have 14 different, you know, things to buy and you're fighting people at the store for the last Angry Birds t-shirt that your kid wants and, you know, you're hitting people with stuff and they're screaming at you and people are driving crazy. And we almost got hit like five times last night in the car just, and it wasn't even our fault. And that's pretty good because we've both been in accidents lately. But, uh, I mean, people just not even paying attention, man. They're just all over the place. The world is a little chaotic, and it's, it's getting more chaotic, of course. We've talked about that. But it's, it's really chaotic at this time. And here's the thing. You know, we played a video a few weeks ago about joy and all the things that we have to do on a Sunday morning. And we kind of laughed, and it was kind of funny. But we're getting down to the crunch time now. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty. And now you do have to go to, to Aunt Juju's house, and you're going to have to sit with them. And, you know, you're going to have to eat that stuff that you can't stand. You're going to have to talk to that person who you don't like. You know those two brothers are going to get in a fight. You know, it's just it happens every year. It's just a matter of time. So you know somebody's not going to get the gift they thought they should have gotten. They know somebody's going to get their feelings hurt and things are going to go sideways on you. And now in the middle of that mess, see, in the midst of what your Christmas might look like over the next bunch of days, will you be the one who brings peace? See, will we be the ones when we walk into those situations who brings peace? Whether it's in the store on Christmas Eve when you're fighting to get the last whatever, or whether it's, you know, at grandma's house and you're trying to hold everybody together. Because there's something about families when they get together. There could be a lot of love, there could be some love, and then there could be a lot of craziness that goes on that doesn't really resemble love much. And in the middle of that, see, somebody has, if there's nobody that will stand up and take control of the situation spiritually, if someone won't stand up and be peace in that situation, or what we've talked about on these last four Sundays, love, light, joy, life, and, and, and bringing those things into the if somebody won't do that, then the, then the situation will spin out of control. And then you'll go home the same way you have the last five years and said, man, I'm not going back there next year. I can't take that. I'm not going back there. I'm not doing that again. I'm not going there. And see, in the midst of those places and those situations, God's, God's put something on the inside of you. And we've talked about it, of course, those four things. But I believe that he came to be peace in this world in the midst of turmoil and trouble. Jesus was planted as peace. And in your situation, he's planted you as peace too. So when you go and you go to Christmas and you do whatever it is that your family does or your group does as you get together to do those things, realize and remember that in those moments, your peace. Now think about it. Elizabeth had us just think a moment about ourselves and about that was a great question. What is keeping us? Is there a barrier between us and how we really truly want to give to God? Is there a barrier there that's keeping us from doing that? I think it's important in our lives to stop many times and just ask questions. We don't ask questions many times because we don't like the answers we're going to have to give. 
And so we just keep moving on past. And if we could be busier and busier and we don't have to stop and think about it, if we can do more and more, then we don't have to ask ourselves those questions. If we can get to going and get to doing stuff that we can blame somebody else and not look at ourselves and realize that the fault lies within. That in my giving, truly, there might be a barrier there that I've put up. I've said I can't give that way because of this. And I never, I never articulate it. I never put words to that. I never write it down. I, I don't even try to not think about it because I don't want to be there. I don't want to go there. In your life, when you think about yourself, do you think of yourself as a peaceful person? See, when you're just sitting, is it just like, oh, yeah. See, it can, you, I mean, if it gets real quiet, all of a sudden you, just, you get real antsy. See, when it gets real quiet, do you like like this and just fall asleep? Because you're so busy, you can't, in just one moment, see, it's like, no, 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 no. Do you think of yourself as a peaceful person? That everywhere you go, you're a peacemaker. It says in the Word, God, God blesses the peacemakers. Are you a peacemaker in your life? That everywhere you go, you bring tranquility. Everywhere you go, you bring peace. When things don't go right, on Christmas morning and you've burned all the breakfast and the kids have opened up half the presents and they weren't supposed to and the dog tore the tree down and things are going sideways in a hurry. See, are you, <laughs> the dog, Lori had a dog that tore her tree down all the time. She had a St. Bernard and it used to jump out of the kitchen gate and it'd go over there and tore, <laughs> took, her, took her entire tree and destroyed it all over the house and then jumped back over the gate. And so when they came home that night, Max was in the kitchen and was just wagging his little tail looking at him. Oh, Max, you're such a good boy. And they loved him and they went around the corner and then they saw the Christmas trees like everywhere. So, you know, when those things happen, see, my sister and I, that freaks us out. That sends us over the edge. We want to kill the dog and anybody gets between us and the dog, right? I mean, that's like, that just, that's it, man. I've had it. So for the rest of the season, the lights were about four feet above that tree. That way, you know, it was just like this big mass of tangled stuff. That's the way Christmas was for a while. Joe, on the other hand, is just like, ha, ha, that's awesome. Yeah. Isn't that funny? He's Mr. Peace. See, all the time, even in the midst of this, this <laughs> that was quite a night. Even in the midst of Max destroying the house, Joe, Joe can, he can walk in peace. Pastor Bill's like that. He's a peacemaker. You know, that no matter how high it gets, no matter how low it gets, no matter how crazy it gets, no matter, you know, whatever's going on in the situation, he walks in peace. He follows a fine line. Why? Because in the midst of what you're going through, someone has to be peace. And God has anointed you to be it. And if there's not peace in your home, then you don't have to look at your kids. If there's not peace in your house, you don't have to look at your spouse. If there's not peace in your home, you don't have to look at the neighbors. If there's not peace in your home, you have to look in the mirror and say, I reside here. Why is there not peace? See, peace in the midst of your home. Peace in the midst of your job. Well, I can't control everybody else. No, but you can bring peace onto the scene for everybody else. You can still walk in peace in a rough situation. God has planted you there for this. We think about Jesus coming into the earth, and we've been talking about it on Sundays all month. But if you go and you read, and we've read through Isaiah chapter 9 quite a bit, but in verse 6 it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of 
peace. It goes on and says, of his greatness and of his government and and his peace, there will be no end. He will reign on his father David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. But it says he's the prince of peace and of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. That he came into this earth as the prince of the peace. Now, set the story for you. Here's the situation. We'll talk about it, you know, when we talk about the Christmas story. Maybe you read it at home at Christmas Eve or whatever that might be for your traditions. But, but Jesus was getting ready to be born into the earth. It was not a peaceful situation where they were. It wasn't like we would think today. How many of you have been in a birthing room? Sometimes it gets a little hectic, a little chaotic. If you're Corey, you go home and take a nap. He did that, right? Right before Miles. Yes, he did. Lori was there and came up and said, where's Corey? Well, Corey went home to have some juice and take a nap. It was just too stressful. (laughs) Right, after the third day of labor. Well, you can't blame the guy. He'd been there a while. Don't do that if you're a guy. That is not that he he is paying for that the rest of his life. Not just from her, but from all of us because we bring it on hard every time. The last three babies, it was the same thing. When are you going home, buddy? <laughs> you need a nap? <laughs> but think about it. If you go to those situations, I mean, there's a lot going on. Now, take that scene away from home hospital. Or I guess we don't even have home hospital. Don't go there and have a baby. It's probably like it is there. Wherever they have these hospitals now out here on this other side of town, you know, take your scene from there and take it to the farm that your kids visited in third grade field trip. See, now take it from there and take it to this place in the middle of, middle of nowhere into a stable. Okay? Have a baby where the cow does. See, have a baby where the sheep is eating. Have a baby where they've all gone to the bathroom. On top of that, you're an unwed mother in those days and in those times. See, this was not, this was not like this, ah. now it ended up being that way because Jesus was coming. But realize the situation before, the midst in which that peace came was a little bit chaotic. Much like your Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner or whatever else you have to face before you get there this week. See, they were traveling. How many of you have traveled? That's always peaceful, isn't it? Just pack everybody in the car. We just all love each other and smooch each other and hug all the way there. He's touching me. He smells. They just use my stuff. Pow, pow, crying. I'll pull this car over. No, you won't. We're going 80. Yes, I will. And you're swinging like this. And the car's worth that. That's a peaceful trip, isn't it? See, traveling is always peaceful with family. Yet these folks, see, they were, they were traveling. They were coming back. And not just traveling just because they wanted to go to grandma's. They were traveling because somebody said, you have to come. And when you come, we're going to do a census. And when we find out who you are, we're going to tax you. Oh, bigger joy. <laughs> see, so all of these things were going on. They were in a situation where it could just be absolutely chaotic. They knock on the door of the inn. The guy says, yeah, nice to have you. We don't have a room for you. Now, how many of you have shown up at the only hotel in town and you've knocked on the door and said, we gave your number away? My confirmation number, I got it right here on Orbitz. Joseph's telling the guy, no, I got a room. I called, I got a reservation. He said, no, I don't have a room, but I got a stable. You see my wife? Well, she's not your wife, is she? Not really. But she's going to have a baby. Okay, where can we go? See, all of these things, I'm sure, are going on all around them. And they send them out to the stable to have this baby. But in the midst of that, where does, in the midst of all of that going on, where does God choose to put the peace? Right there in the midst. 
We'll talk a little bit about this maybe on Sunday as we talk about him coming in the middle of a mess. See, Jesus was placed there. Now, this is what I'm telling you and what God was speaking to me. And not that our family situation is a mess or anything. That's not where I'm going. But in the midst of your Christmas celebration and where you go, will you bring peace? I mean, we all have chaotic stuff going on. We all have chaotic schedules. I mean, I, you know, we have Christmas, you know, at noon, I think, on Saturday at my sister's house. We open up presents with my dad and, his, and my uncle and that side of the family. And then we run home real quick, change clothes, and get right here so we can, we can stack candles and get things ready and do communion. And then have that service that night. Then we go to Aunt Chris's house. And after we leave Aunt Chris's house, we go home. On Sunday morning, we wake up. We go to Lori's house for breakfast. We open up presents with her kids. Then we run right over here. We have church 10 o'clock. And then after church from 10 o'clock, then we run over to our house. And then we open up presents with our kids. And then, whew, we take about a half-hour nap. We go to Mom's house and have dinner. And we open up Christmas there. In the midst... Of all of that, there's got to be peace. Why? Because, because the Prince of Peace is on the inside of me. The Prince of Peace is on the inside of her. The Prince of Peace is on the inside of my sister. And in the midst of all these places, we bring it with us. It's in the inside of you. So where you go this week, you're taking the Prince of Peace with you. So bring peace. It goes right along with the other four things. I didn't just hold back a fifth. God just gave this to me today. That even in the midst, of what you're going through there's peace even in the midst jesus brought it peace is an undisturbed state of mind right we've gone through these things plenty of times freedom from strife (laughs) a perfect well-being a state of rest quietness calmness tranquility it's what you're asking your kids to be when they're driving you nuts could you just be quiet for a minute why mom needs a minute of peace you got peace They've got peace. Bring peace into that place. What's the opposite of peace? We know these. Worry, anxiety, tension, strife, stress. And how about this one? Pride. Pride. When things get haywire and the peace goes out the window, you're walking in pride. And what does it say in the Word of God about pride? Pride comes before the fall. See, pride comes before the fall. And we wonder why when things get chaotic and peace goes out the window that we always end up underneath. We always end up into a bad place. We always end up in a place where we have to apologize. We always have to end up, we end up in a place where we feel bad about what we did. Why? Because we've got out of humility and into pride. When peace leaves, pride comes. And in our life, we can't afford that. In 1 Peter 5, it actually says, verses 6 through 8, right? Humble yourself. First, it says, humble yourself. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. When, you, when you're dealing with things like that, when, you, when your peace goes out the window, it's because you've picked up a care. You trade the two. How many of you have been able to carry, a, carry something that, that you shouldn't be carrying? A burden, a load. Whether it's a thought or whether it's a situation, whether it's a person's thing that they're going through, whatever it is, as you go through all these things, how many of you have been able to carry those yet still remain in peace? Really true peace in your life. You can't because you're you're thinking about all of these cares and you're worried about all of this stuff. And then the last part of the verse says that we need to be be sober and be vigilant. Why? Because while we're carrying these things, the enemy's out there trying to take us out. And when we pick up all these things and we get rid of our peace, then we're prime candidates for him to take us out. It says he walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, who can he devour? The prideful, those who carry in the cares. 
Who can't he devour? The ones who have done what the beginning of this said, humbled themselves and cast their care on him. When you walk in perfect peace, you're walking in rightness, rightness with him, and you're following after what he has for you. And in that place, the enemy can't take you out. In the midst of what you're going through, he can't touch you. In the midst of where you find yourself, there's perfect peace. You spend time in worry and it steals your joy. It says so in Proverbs 12, 25. You'll lose your joy. It'll disappear on you. You have to be careful. You can't be getting stuck in situations where you worry. We have to be walking in peace. Now, it's easy for me because I haven't shopped hardly at all. I haven't been out in the stores. I haven't driven around. It's the first Christmas that I really, truly have not done anything. I don't know what we're getting anybody, but I hope you like it. Whatever I get you, I hope it's good, Mom. You're going to love it. I'm sure I spent a lot of, I guess I shouldn't say that. She's sitting right there. I had a lot to do with it. I know what you're getting. I know what you're getting. I don't know what anybody else is, but I know what you're getting. And I know what Daniel's getting because it beeped at me the other night under the tree and almost drove me bananas. We went to bed. It was like 1130, 12 o'clock. We turned off the lights and there was a horrible piercing beep in our house. Kind of like when the batteries go bad in the smoke detector. But I was so tired that I said, you know, I don't even care. Rachel was still up. I thought maybe she was doing something. So I just went to sleep. Elizabeth woke me up at 630 and said, do you hear that? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, I heard that last night. That is, that is awful. And now I won't be able to go back to sleep. Thanks. So I got up and I, I wandered through the house trying to hone in on this horrendous beep. Just, I, and I kept going. You know how you go left and right and you're trying to find it and it's not in the office and it's not in the kitchen. And then I'm standing there before the Christmas tree and I'm like, it's in there. And so I just stood there and looked at the Christmas tree and thought, well, I don't know what, there's nothing plugged in. And so then I kept getting closer and closer to the bottom and then I realized in all of the packages, it's in something. <laughs> At 6.40, I'm like picking up packages and heaving them. There's, they were all nicely put under the tree. They ended up all over the place. And then finally, as I've got a tree all over me, I, I find the one. <laughs> and I'm like, it's in there. And she's like, huh. And I don't know who it's for because she tricks us and puts names of other things. It's always a game at my house. There's Daffy Duck or something. There's the tags all have different names. And so none of us know who the presents are for. That keeps us from like guessing what they are. So nobody knows. One, one year it's like a numerical code. So you have to do math to find your present. The kids love that. You had to add them all up. And the ones that came out to be even were one kid and odd was the other. And that just, you know, and that took all the fun out of Christmas, by the way. So we te- I, tear this thing, I tear this thing open, and it's this deal we got Daniel. I better not say what it is, because somebody might say, but it's this thing that she got Daniel, that when the battery goes dead in it, it beeps. And it has a little plastic safety cap in it. So I'm tearing the paper off the thing. I tore the box open, and I tore the thing apart, and there's a little cap, and you just push the cap in, and it stopped beeping. <laughs> so instead of throwing it out in the yard, I put tape across it very patiently, and then put it back in the box, and she's going to wrap it back up. So those are the only things I know that I'm getting people. And I have not had to go out in the stores like you and fight folks for stuff. So I, I, can, I can have a little opportunity to, to say, hey, it's all good. <laughs> now, it probably wasn't like that when I was chasing down that beep, was it? It was a little bit different, <laughs> come to think of it. But I, was, I wasn't mad or upset. I just, it was, you know, how it gets in your ear. It kind of makes you crazy. Don't get crazy. Don't be crazy. Be peaceful. 
Because when you, when you begin to lose it in a situation with your children or your spouse, you begin to lose it in a situation at the grocery store or at the mall, you lose it in the traffic, you lose it at work, something's pushed you too far, the peace goes out and the pride comes in, and the pride comes before the what? The fall. Matthew chapter 5 or chapter 6, Jesus tells us and speaks, don't worry about it. You know the song, don't worry, be happy. I mean, be happy where you are. Bloom where you're planted because in the midst of what you're going through, your peace. In the midst of what you're going through, you're bringing peace into that situation. Jesus is with you. John 14, 27 says he's the source of your peace says peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give to you let not your heart be what troubled nor let your heart be afraid so when we find ourselves in those situations where we're afraid not where we fear where we feel fear coming toward us because we cast that down but in those moments where we've truly put on the fear where we have been afraid where we truly were scared those places where we found ourselves troubled about what we would do that's worry And he tells us, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because I have given you peace. Sometimes we get out of peace because we're worried about somebody else. Prayer gone wrong is worry. Recorrect that worry, make it a prayer. Prayer has strength. Prayer has character. Prayer has legs. Prayer has muscles. Prayer has faith. Prayer has peace. Prayer has love and life. Prayer has the word. Prayer goes that direction. Sometimes we say it's prayer and it's actually worry. Don't worry before God. Pray. He didn't bring us into this world to be troubled and afraid. He brought us in this world to have peace. As you walk in perfect peace, remember this. It's a fruit. Galatians in chapter 5. And we could go, it's verse 16, I think. Is that right, Sandy? Verse 16 says, I say, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because where you plant your seeds determines the harvest that comes up. And if you're planting your seeds toward the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. That's not this, it's Galatians 6. But when you plant the seeds to the Spirit of the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. It says, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish to do. You want to do right, but you're not. Why? Because you're not. You're planting seed to the flesh. Your thought life is haywire. Your your confession is haywire. And you wonder why your flesh follows haywire. It says that if we will renew our mind to the word, that our body will be lived as a sacrifice on this earth, then we will follow after God and our life will be transformed. Romans 12, 1 and 2. When those things get out of whack... And you're not speaking the word. You're not meditating the word. I am telling you, your body will get haywire on you quickly. And you will end up not doing the things that you ought or wish you would do. That goes on then and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. It goes on, there's others, but we can stop there. See, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Go to the next one. Go to 24 and 5. Gentleness, self-control, go to uh, 24. And then it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Then go on. And it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also do what? Walk in the Spirit. Why? Because if you walk in the Spirit, you're planting seeds toward the Spirit, and what comes up is fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, which is what? Love, joy, peace. So it's important what you're doing. It's important what you're saying. It's important what you're thinking. 
Because we're the ones who determine that. We determine our fruit. Now think about this, and we're, I guess it's question night. What fruit do you see in your life? See, when you're stressed, when you're pressed, when you're squeezed, it says that we're not supposed to be anxious. It says we're not supposed to be worried. It says we're not supposed to be walking in, in, in all those different things. We're supposed to be walking in love, and we're supposed to be standing in peace and joy and all that. But when, when we face situations that bring stress our way, how do we react? Do we wear that stress? Do we just put it on and wear it? Or do we cast that thing down and we decide in turn to be somebody that's going to walk in peace? And we determine what we're going to do and what we're going to be by what we speak and by what we think. And I wanted to just share two keys with you as you go into this Christmas weekend to remain in perfect peace. And the first one is speak the peace. See, you can bring peace into being in situations as you speak with your mouth. The words that you speak out of your mouth have power. They're creative. The very earth was created because God spoke words, and the Holy Spirit took those words and created the earth. In your life, the Holy Spirit is alive on the inside of you. And you have that same power to speak what you believe and have it manifest in the earth. As you speak according to the will of God and the word of God, you will see those things begin to form before you. But you must speak them. And in this situation in chapter Mark, uh, chapter Mark, (laughs) making stuff up as I go. In Mark chapter 4, it's verse 35. And this is a story. and, And it says Jesus was speaking to them. And when evening, now get this, it says when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat, Jesus, and he was with them. They had other little boats that were also with them. And a great windstorm, it says, arose, and the waves beat not on the boat, but where? Into the boat. See, not just on it, but in it, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him up because they were what? They were troubled and afraid. And what did we just read in John? He said, do not let your heart be what? Troubled and afraid. Now, just in the Jesus coming into the earth context, in this story, if you want to set it in context, these guys were not novices. They were people who had been on boats. Many of them were fishermen. They had seen their share of storms, and I'm sure they had seen their share of trouble on the open water. So if they were bound to be afraid, you know that that had to be quite a situation. These were people who were skilled. Not all of them, but many of the disciples who were with him were fishermen. So they've been out there. They're not fishermen like me and you sitting on the pier with our cooler next to us just kind of fishing and talking with a bobber. And these were guys who were in boats, and they threw out the nets, and they did all those kind of things. So they have been out in troubled waters before. But these waters were so troubled, and this storm was so great that it caused them to be afraid. The water was actually coming into the boat. It was actually dark. Why? Because they said in the evening they went over to the other side. And so it was growing dark on them. Now the storm clouds are there and it's raining and thunder and all of the things that come with the storm. The wind and the waves were all boisterous. Now that is a scary situation in the natural. But Jesus was there in the midst just as Jesus is in the midst of the situations that you face. And then he has called us in this earth to live our life as he has lived to do the things that he has done, and like we said on Sunday, even greater things than he has done in this earth, we will do. 
And so we take our cue from him in this particular story. As he gets up, they finally wake him up and say, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing in verse 38? Then he arose in verse 39, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And it says, In that place, at that moment, and at that time, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. That in that moment, what did he do? He spoke peace into the situation. You have an opportunity to speak peace in the situation. Now, I'm telling you to be led by the Spirit. Do not get up when everybody's arguing at the kitchen table and say, Peace, be still! (laughs) That might freak people out. But if God says do it, do it. But I will tell you this. Ask God what you should say. Because He will give you the words in that moment that will bring peace. Because the things that He tells you to speak will bring peace. It will be the words that cut to the heart. It will be the right thing at the right moment to the right person. But we've got to, just what Jesus did, stand up in the midst of it and speak peace. Whether it's in a doctor's situation in an office, whether it's in a situation financially in your life, whether it's a situation relationally in your life, wherever you find yourself, wherever you see that peace becoming unwound around you, begin to speak peace into that situation. What happens when your children are going haywire and things are nuts and the dog's barking and tearing up your Christmas tree and all that stuff? When you speak words that are against that, what happens? It gets worse. Why? Because you're throwing gasoline on a fire with your words. Someone needs to take control and begin to come back toward the center of peace. And how do you do that? You begin to speak peace. Begin to speak it out of your mouth. However that comes out, however that sounds, whatever God tells you to say, whatever he gives you to speak, speak it. See, you have power in your words when you mix them with your faith as long as they come along lines with the word of God and the will for your life. I'm telling you, there is power there. And Jesus continued to tell them, look, do you not understand the power that you have? Because he says in the end, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then he tells them in Mark in chapter 11 when he curses the fig tree and they come back the next day and it's cursed. And they say, hey, 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 master, master, teacher, look, the fig tree's dead. Well, yes, that's what he says to them. Have faith in God, fellas. And then he goes on and he begins to speak to them about the power of what? Believing in the power of what? Speaking out of their mouth. The things that you believe and ask for. The things that you don't go back on. The things that you don't waver on, adding a little bit of Romans 4. The things that you don't give up on. But it's the things you speak and the things that you believe, you will receive those things. That's the message after 11.22, which is after the fig tree. That's Mark 11. This is Mark 4. So he's already been in the water with them. He's already been in the boat, and he's already had this thing with them one time now. And then he has it again, so we wonder why he becomes more incredulous as he goes with them. And in your home, your children don't run your home. You do. And it's not because you're the authority, and it's not because you're the adult, it's not because you're the elder, it's because God has placed you there as the person who is in control. But if you cede your control by walking in the flesh, look out. In our homes, we have to make sure that we control ourselves, right? It says self-control is one of the fruits, that we begin to control ourselves and walk according to the Spirit and not the flesh. And as we do that, then we put ourselves in line for all of these things to happen in our life, to be able to speak things and see them come into existence. But we can't be walking in the flesh and begin to start to try to appropriate the Word of God. They don't mix. Walking in the Spirit and appropriating the Word of God mix. 
Walking in the flesh and appropriating the word of God will only cause you to be more disenchanted. Because you know what it should do, you know what good there is in it, but you don't see it happen in our lives. And what I have to look in the mirror and say is it's my problem, my fault. Because I'm not, I'm not living it in my life. Live it. You can be peace in your situation. God is with you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is right there with you in the midst. Just as he was in, in, in when he was born in that manger, just as he was with these disciples in the boat. The second thing is you can meditate the word. Speak peace and meditate the word. The word is peace. We have to remain spiritually minded. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. So to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and what? Peace. See, life and peace. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You want to see peace in your home and it's chaotic? Change your thinking. I can't do that. Change what you're watching on TV. Change what you're listening to. Change what you're watching on the internet. Change what you're reading at night. Change, change, change. If you don't have peace in your life, change something. There's something that's not right because Jesus Christ, if he's alive on the inside of you, there should be peace there. If you're afraid, quit reading the vampire books. If you're afraid, quit watching those vampire movies. Good night. There's nothing worse than seeing some middle school girl reading those vampire books. Hi. Sorry if I'm stepping on your toes, but my goodness. You wonder why everybody has nightmares and their kids are a wreck. There was somebody that my son wanted to hang with and be like. And he got to do stuff that Daniel didn't get to do. He got to see movies that Daniel didn't get to see. He got to play video games that Daniel didn't get to play. He got to do, go to some stuff that Daniel didn't get to go to. And Daniel was letting his mom know all about it. Just as kids are, you know well able to do at 13 and 14 and letting her know and then she he's he's a smart boy and she was smart enough to sit down with him and say let me just tell you the truth you want to be a scaredy cat like this kid you want to be hung by his mama all the time because he's scared to go anywhere you he can't sleep at night he can't do all you want to be like that kid you can do all that but you're going to end up being like that there's not going to be any peace there's not going to be any love there's not going to be any joy in your life because that all gets taken away when you open yourself up to all that darkness So all of a sudden, he became enlightened. Yeah. See, you, that, you show the end result. If somebody's sinning, show them the rotten tree. See, if somebody's sinning, look at the rotten fruit. If you can get somebody to realize that, look, the rotten fruit on my tree comes from the rotten seeds, I need to plant some different seeds. I need to do what? Change. If there's not peace, check your mind. You say, well, that's where there's not peace. Then we're going to pray for you. Because you have a right mind. You don't have a mind that's full of fear and full of doubt and full of unbelief. You have a powerful mind that's full of strength. You have a sound mind. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a what? Sound mind. Sound mind means and goes on to say in different translations, you are able to deal wisely. You can make great decisions. You have great wisdom when you have a sound mind. That's who you are. That's who I am. 
Isaiah 26, 3 says this, and I'll tell you, the word is important. I say, speak peace, speak the word. Then I say, meditate peace, meditate the word. Why? Because Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him. God, it says, God, you will keep me in perfect peace because my mind is stayed on you. Now, it doesn't say that there. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. But here's the deal. Make it personal. If this is you and you're doing this, we make this word personal. When you read the word of God, make it personal in your life. Make it personal to your, personable to your children. It says, I, God, you will keep me in perfect peace because my mind is stayed on you and I trust in you. That's why I say if you meditate the word of God, it's going to change. God will keep you in perfect what? Peace. If your mind is what? Stayed on him. So that's why I can look at myself and when things aren't working, things are chaotic and things are going south. Luckily, I have people who are around me who say, hey, whoa, whoa, come back over here, cowboy. Other times they go like, whoa, whoa, leave him alone. Just let him go. He's going he's gonna to walk this one out. <laughs> She's going to get hit somewhere along the way. Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace of what? God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Well, how can that happen? Because John, John said in the book of John, he said, I give you my peace. Not as the world gives do I give. I don't give and take away. I give. I have given you my peace. That's why we, as we walk in the Spirit, we say, you know what? Let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God lead you. As you make sound decisions, you're being led by the Spirit of God. When you're confused and there's not peace and there's strife and there's anxiety and there's all of these things, what leaves? The peace. So what do you start doing? Making crazy decisions. And as the pressure comes and as the stress mounts, you begin to make more and more and faster and faster trying to find your way out and trying to create a way and trying to open a door and trying to do what? Figure it out. If I can just figure it out, don't figure it out. Pray it out. Because when you pray it out, there comes peace. And when there's peace, there's a sound mind. When there's a sound mind, you make wise decisions. The peace of God will allow you to rule and to reign. Philippians, it says in 4, 4 through 7, in the New King James, it says, celebrate God. That, that's, the, that's the message. What about in the New King James? In the New King James, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Yeah. You don't know my family. You don't know where I'm going this weekend. Rejoice because God's going with you. Amen. You're not going alone. You're bringing peace. You're bringing love. You're bringing joy. You're bringing light. You're bringing life. Who cares if you're bringing bad meatloaf and jello that has carrots in it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you're bringing life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all that the Lord is at hand. Be anxious, it says, for nothing. Be anxious. For nothing, not one thing, not because Uncle Juju's mean. I mean, you, you don't be anxious about that because you don't have enough to provide the way you want to. to who, don't be anxious about that. You do the best that you can with what you have. That's what God's called you to do. Trust him to make up the difference and be the rest. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And verse 7 says, if you will act like that, 
If we will do that, if we will be that, not, not the other. See, we say in the peace of God, God, I pray that the peace of God surrounds me. No, 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 no. You've got to go back to four and five. You've got to go back to six. You've got to realize it says you've got to rejoice. You've got to let your gentleness be made known to everybody. Don't punch somebody, then ask God for his peace. Be anxious for nothing. Don't get all stressed out, freaked out, chew your nails down to the beds and expect God's peace. My brother was a nervous Nelly. He always chewed, man, chewed till he bled down here on his nails all the time. You know, there's nothing like seeing a third grader with all torn up hands and, and half sick all the time because he's worried about a test and things and just, just all freaked out. That's anxiety. And anxiety in the heart causes depression. You have to be careful. You can't be dealing with this kind of stuff. But if you won't let all that stuff stick on you, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And now if you read it in the Message Bible, let's go back now. Can we do that, Sandy? Real quick, and then we'll pray. It says in the peace of... Oh, sorry, we're still there at the same place, aren't we? As you go back in the Message Bible, it reads a little differently, but it speaks to us. It speaks to us. It gets us in the right place at the right time. It says, celebrate God all day. Instead of, see, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. This says, celebrate God all day. Every day. I mean, revel in Him. And you're like, oh, see, already, you're starting to like, oh, that's, that can't happen. Why not? He doesn't say, only if things are okay. He doesn't say, if everything's all right. He says, just flat out, revel in him. Celebrate God. Go on. And then it says, make it as clear as you can to all that you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. See, let your gentleness gentleness be made known to all men. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. See, when we come in to, to Christmas, you've got to realize you need to let your gentleness be made. Well, what does that mean? It says make it as clear as you can to everybody that's in that place that you're on their side. Whether it's Aunt Juju or Uncle Juju or whoever I said he was. Whether it's the bad salad you don't like or the kid who always gives you problems, the one who always kicks you in the shins and the one you want to punch, the, the brother you want to string up. That's not our, that is not, that's not become our deal, man. Our deal is I am on your side, working with you, not against you. Keep going. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, do what? What did we talk about? Pray. Instead of worrying, pray. Instead of speaking bad, pray God's goodness. Instead of speaking about how awful they are, pray God's abundance in their life. Pray that God raises them up to the place that he has for them. Pray that they, they, they see the goodness of God in their life like never before. Oh, 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 that's bringing peace. That's bringing love. That's what it says. It says, let petitions and praises shape your worries into what? Prayers. Letting God know your concerns. And then it says, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. See, all those things come against you. It's how you respond when those things come. And you're saying, you're asking a lot, Pastor John, I, you know, but I'm just asking what the Word says. You're not doing anything for me. We're not helping, you know, we're not, you're not helping me out. You're not helping, the, you're helping, you're helping you out. You're helping God out in that situation. You're not, you, this is about you and what God wants to do in your life. Pass this test. 
And says a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say to you, do best. And you do best by filling your minds and by meditating on these things, the true things, the noble things, the reputable, the authentic, the compelling and the gracious. Listen to this, because those words sometimes don't mean a lot. But these words mean something. It says, think and meditate on this, the best and not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly, the things to praise and not the things to curse. Change your mind. Change your mind, you'll change your situation. Begin to speak the word of God, begin to speak peace. Begin to meditate the word, begin to meditate peace. And you will see in your life, your situations begin to change. And you'll see peace begin to come down. Just like it said. Peace begins to come down. And begins to infiltrate your life where you are. Let's stand up. Because I want to pray for you. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.